Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. 1 John chapter number 2, verses 15 through 17. If you're visiting here, we like to stand as we read God's Word because we honor the Word of God as absolute truth. If you want to stand with us. John has already written a chapter and a half nearly to this point, and we know that he's writing to the church. He's writing so that believers can know that they're born again. Uh, These things have I written unto you that your joy may be full, he said in the first chapter. Later on, he'll say to the church that there's a few people that have left the church, and he wants us to know that they came out from us, but they were not of us. And I just say this because every week there seems to be a visitor or two and hadn't been here, and that's great. But... um, The Word of God is true, and it is being fulfilled, and we are seeing a beginning of a falling away, in the the American church especially. And I'm a firm believer that those people weren't saved and decided they didn't want to be saved anymore. The Bible teaches, in my humble opinion, that they never were born again. No one's ever tasted the joys and pleasures of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and decided they didn't like it anymore. And so these are people who have professed maybe for 20, 30, 50 years. Maybe they've been sitting in a pew of a Baptist church. Maybe they've given a dollar or two every week. But suddenly they decided, I've had enough. I don't believe this anymore. I don't like this anymore. And they leave the church. And John is writing so that believers know that they know that they know they're born again. And I think he's also writing to encourage the church, not just Central Baptist Church, but the the local church, the bride of Christ. Hey, don't, don't, don't get your feelings hurt when people start bailing on you. The time is coming when they're going to bail more and more. And those of us who are truly born again, who truly love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength will persevere to the end. And uh, that's where we're at. And that's where we're headed. You think it's tough now? Hang on. You think the pressure's tight now? Hang on. You think it's hot now? Hang on. And John is writing to encourage the church. I think he's writing to encourage the pastor as much as anything of the local church. Verse 15, I got to say it. He's saying it, not me. So go ahead and get, get ready to be mad. But please don't be mad at the preacher. Not about this, maybe something else. Everybody cool, everybody comfortable? Just make sure everybody's feeling good before we get started. (laughs) Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father, the love for the Father, Upstairs, they didn't like that verse. They already went to 16. (laughs) Listen to what John says. Through the inspiration of a holy, perfect God to born-again believers. Do not love the world. Do not love the things of the world. For anyone who loves the world does not love the Father. All right, now I'm ready. Verse 16. (laughs) Why? Because everything that's in the world is not good. It's bad. Are there some good things that happen in the world? Yes. But everything that is of the world is anti-Christ anti-God. All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And these things are not of 
the Father, but of the world. Verse 17, the world is passing away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of the Father, the believer who loves God supremely, he who does the will of the Father, the will of God, abides forever. This world's going to pass away. But those of us who are born again will live forever, abide with him forever. Father, thank you for your word. We don't take it lightly that we have a copy of your word that we can read, the inspired, infallible word of God. And God, I know this is not some unheard of passage, but it's certainly a passage that gets our attention should get our attention, should make believers take note, should make professing believers take note, examine their life, examine our lives, so that we know we're born again, that our joy may be complete. God, I pray this often, but help us today not to just be hearers of your word, to know a little more to leave a little more knowledgeable, but to leave being a doer of your word. God, it's not very difficult to understand that we can't read these passages and not make some changes in our life. And I pray your Holy Spirit convicts us and we do what's necessary to have healthy fellowship with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I've already mentioned John's purpose for writing. It's really twofold. If you're here today, you're listening online, you're watching later, listening later, and you're a professing believer, that means you tell people you're Christian. And there's a lot of eloquent, flowery, intelligent words that could be used in this passage of Scripture. And I was trying my best to think of some academic title. But quite honestly, the title is, Do Not Love the World. I thought about how to introduce this without preaching before I preach, but I usually mess that up anyway. The dilemma of all dilemmas for the child of God really is the fact that we are in the world but not of the world. The verses are somewhere, but don't find them. You don't need to mess with them there. You'll you'll get lost up there, Tim, Mike. Jesus told his disciples, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're in Christ, You're one of mine, therefore the world will not love you, they will hate you because you're not of the world. In John 17, Jesus prays what we call the high priestly prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane where his sweat turns to drops of blood in one of the most passionate recorded prayers ever prayed by Jesus, the Son of God, he prays to his Father and he says, Uh, As he prays for us who are in the world, not for God to remove us from this world, but to keep us, to keep us safe from this world, and to empower us while we're in this world. So it's real clear, as a born-again Christian, we are physically in this world. Anybody been to Walmart recently? Been in the world recently? Or wherever you go. Anybody been in Target recently? Raise your hand. I want to see it right now. No, just kidding. <laughs> We've been in the world. Anybody? No, let us ask that. Um, some of you wouldn't have got it. Some of you would have hysterically laughed, and some of you would have thought I'm an idiot more so than normal. But the reality is, 
we are immersed in the world. You're going to go to work tomorrow, no matter where you work, and you're going to be in the world. But you're not of the world. And so the, the dilemma that exists is, how do we do the math? What does it look like to be in the world but not of the world? Not only are we immersed in a world, and we'll get to that definition in a second, we are pressured by, we are influenced by the world. You turn on your television to watch Alabama get beat. And you're influenced by the world. You get on social media. And you are not only influenced by the world, you are targeted by the world. Just in case anybody hasn't woken up to 2023, they're listening. That's not conspiracy. That's truth. Just start talking about something, a brand, and then get on Facebook and see if they're listening. Now, your question is, who is they? I got a lot of they's that I think are listening to us, but you don't want to hear about that. Man, I was just talking about that. Maybe it's a sign I should buy that. We're influenced by the world. I've got so much to say that has nothing, there's nowhere in my notes, which is why it does what it does. But if we're not careful, and I say we as in a local church, and unfortunately, I'm not here to fuss at other churches, but too many have not been careful. And we have allowed in the local church, specifically in America, to be influenced by the world. And I'm just old school, old fogey, traditional, conservative enough to say, maybe, that, maybe biblical enough to say that should not be. We ought to be different. When you come in here, it ought to be different than going to a concert. This is a church. This is the bride of Christ. We're here to be different. The music ought to be different. I'll just stop there and let you do the, do the, connect the dots. The preaching ought to be different. What we say, what we do, the fellowship ought to be different. Conversation ought to be different. John writes here to a believer, a professing believer in the local church. And he says, continues to say what he has said for a chapter, giving us checkpoints, if you will, tests, if you will, as to what a true believer looks like. Authentic Christianity. Not the kind that we see in polls in America today. Not the 82% of Americans claim to be Christian which is just pure garbage. I don't know that 82% of Baptist churches are Christian, much less the country Christian. Why would you say that's so mean? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a good verse to go to. Love not the world, nor the things of the world, because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's a good test. Did the Baptist faith and message put that? No, the Word of God says... If a person loves the world, they don't love the Father. That's a real clear test. Now that I have your interest, we, we've got to understand the context. We've got to understand these points that John is trying to make here. And the first that is necessary for us to understand this truth or these principles is we have to understand the definition of the world. 
There's Bible scholars in here that have already, you're already ahead of me, so take a nap until I get to point two. That would be quite a contrast or quite a conflict if we didn't understand the world that John is talking about. Because God loved the world. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Christians are identified by their love for one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, because you love one another. But yet John says, do not love the world. So obviously, the word of God is not conflicting. We have to understand the definition of the world. And this is something, and I've got 30 minutes here, but if y'all look like you agree, or we'll, we'll get through it quicker. This is something, this is a biblical truth that I believe, and, and I'm dead serious about this, that true believers, Christians, don't really understand the biblical truth behind this point. What is the world that John is talking about? The word there in the Greek is cosmos. But he's not speaking of the cosmos as in the earth, the crust of the earth, the globe, the mountains, the trees, the beauty of the earth. More specifically, this word speaks, it has the meaning of um, organization. If you were to kind of do a word study, Organization or order. Maybe better understood, the system of the world. It's the way the world operates. World as in non-Christian. It is the system of the world. It is the order of the world. More specifically, more importantly, this world that he's referring to has a leader that we as Christians, even good Baptist Christians, fail to understand. We don't want to know this. We don't want to understand this. And quite honestly, I don't think we want to believe it. We don't, I don't, I'll, I'll point myself out. I don't like to talk about the leader of the world system very much. And it, you may believe this or not, but in my position, in my position, there's been some times where I'm reading, studying, and even thinking about that leader of the world system, and I am attacked emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I don't like to talk about him. I don't like to read about him. But he's real. I've been in rooms where I sense his presence. I've been studying when I sense his presence. I've woken up in the morning on a Sunday morning when I sensed his presence and oppression. And he is the leader of the world that we're talking about here. We're talking about Satan. We're talking about the evil one. We're talking about the wicked one. We're talking about in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, where we ended last week, where he said, young men, you've overcome the wicked one. And now we're right into verse 15, where we talk about the leader, the wicked one of the world system that we're not to love. Now there's a, a, a so-called reverend that shows up every time some black and white happens in America. And I don't know how he got the name. He's got a talk show and a podcast and a bunch of money given to him by some antichrist organizations. His name is Reverend Al Sharpton. And I believe, quite honestly, we could put his name in some of these false teachings and then it would be just as inspired. But I don't think he believes half the stuff he says he believes or half the stuff he says. But under our former administration, this so-called reverend said that the spiritual wickedness in high places referred to Donald Trump. Now, you might think Donald Trump's wicked. 
You might think he's a goofball. You might think he's got nice hair. I don't know what you think about him. I know this, he's not the spiritual wickedness in high places that Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter six. The spiritual wickedness in high places that Paul talked about is the same spiritual wickedness leader of this world system that Christians are not to love. He goes on, Jesus himself refers to Satan as the prince of this world. In John chapter 40, he says, from this point on, I will... I will not talk much with you, for the prince of the world comes and has nothing in me. In John chapter 16, verse 11, Jesus is talking about judgment when he returns. And he says of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. That's a good one there to keep in your back pocket. John, in this book, this letter, chapter 5, tells us later on that the whole world, same word, lies in wickedness. It means that he lies, the whole world lies under the sway of wickedness. This is the world that John is talking about, the world's system. So what is the command to Christians? It's real simple. Do not love this world. Yeah, I love the people of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. We love them all. We love the ones that disagree with us. We love the ones that are wrong. We love the ones who are living in sin. We love them enough to, to teach them and preach the truth. We love them enough to stay um, secure in our biblical standards and values, even if they're good friends, even if they're family. We love them. And when we love them, we'll talk to them differently than we do if we don't love them about the things that are biblically true. You didn't catch that. I hope you did. We can love people we disagree with. We can teach people we disagree with the truth if we love them. And we can do it in a way that doesn't give God a bad name. This word love here, it, it really is the word that comes from God's agape love. We'd like to say, well, that's got to be talking about that, that other kind of love. No, it's important to understand. He says, love not the world because this love is a special kind of love. And, and I want you to get this because if you don't, you'll miss the rest and you'll be asking somebody at the end, how did it end that way? It means to show or demonstrate love or to take pleasure in. More specifically, you got to get this. It's bold and underlined in my notes, so it must be good. Whoever wrote this must have thought it was important. I want you to understand what the word love here means in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. To love based on its regarded value. How can that be agape love? Because God loved us while we were yet sinners. He valued us. He regarded us as valuable even when the world said we weren't. That's agape love. And John here says, love not the world. Do not love based on its regarded value. As a believer, we look at the world system, we say, there's not much value in that. Therefore, I shouldn't love it. We're to love God's creation. I believe we're to take care of it. I believe if you see a blue trash can with a circle that says plastic only and you've got a plastic bottle, you probably ought to put it in there. I didn't say you're not saved if you don't. There'll probably be some goofy looking mean person in the corner eating a granola bar that casts a demon on you or something. To do it. We love turtles. So we do take care and we love God's creation. But we don't love the world system. And therefore, Christians should not take pleasure in it. 
The sad or unfortunate reality is sometimes when you love something, it means you have to hate some things. Oh, no, he said hate. You can't hate. Nope. But Psalm 97, verse 10, the psalmist says, you that love the Lord hate evil. So you, you thought I was going to give you a pass to hate somebody, didn't you? You're like, oh, well, i got to hear this one. I'm, i got a few. I'm going to see if this works on. <laughs> no, if you love God, you hate evil. Now, that didn't help anybody out as much as we wanted. It means if you love something enough, you'll hate, you'll despise, you'll be anti the things that are anti what you love. And if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you'll hate anything that takes away from your love of God or take, uh, takes away from who God is. You'll stand up for it. If somebody starts cussing the name of God, not just necessarily in cursing, but they start anti-Christing, a good Christian won't sit around and go, mm, man, I can't believe they're saying that. Christians stand up and say, hey, that's, that's my Jesus you're talking about right there. Yeah, I, I, you know, we, we're good friends, but I ain't going to sit around and let you just talk about him like that. Or, or you, know, you know, by the way, there's a lot of theologians in the world, right? Theologians in this world that we're talking about. They know everything about Scripture. They know all the mistakes. They know all the contradictions. And when you hear that, it ought to just tick you off in Jesus' name. That's that righteous spiritual indignation. You know what? I hate to say this the way it's going to sound out, but you just don't know what you're talking about, friend, and I love you in Jesus. But, but let's figure this out. You're bringing down the name of Christ. You're bringing down his word, and uh, there's just no place for that. You'll show that you dislike what is anti what you love. And let me just throw this in. The world is anti-Christ. The world system is anti-Christ. If you love something enough, you'll have to hate something. If you love health, you'll hate germs. If you love flowers, you'll hate weeds. If you're a clean freak, like some of my people I know, you'll hate dirt. If you like UNC, you'll hate Duke, right? If you like the NFL, you'll hate the Cowboys. I mean, that's just how it works. I, I used to be a Cowboys fan, and then I got saved, and then I, I went over to the Panthers. No, now I just... I can't say anymore. We'll keep going. So there's a command to Christians to not love the world. And then there's a conclusion of the church in the last part of verse 15. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's real clear. The church can look at this person, this professor of Christianity, and see his or her love for the world. And the conclusion is, they're not one of us. Now, I didn't say we're going to appoint a committee and any volunteers want to sign up, meet in the fellowship hall after church. I didn't say that. Some of, some of you would be interested. That's one committee I want to be on right there, brother. How do I sign up for that? Well, so what, wouldn't that be cool to you, like, put a picture up? When, when, when we cleaned up our church roll, wouldn't that have been a good way to do that? We could have the committee in, this is how my mind works, and we have the committee, and it'd be 12 tithing members of the church, faithful, and we come in and we put up a picture of a former member. He said, what do y'all think about this one? You talk about packing the church out, that'd be fun. Let's do it in church on Sunday nights. Let's, let's see. <laughs> All right, what do y'all think about him? Is he... Of us or from us? Some of you are thinking, are you really? Th no, we've already done it. We did this as a pastoral staff. That's how we cleaned the church roll. Just, that's a lie. Please don't believe that. We were nice about it. No, the conclusion is 
Not something that needs a committee, quite honestly. The conclusion is a person that professes to be Christian, but they have an affinity for the world. They love the things of the world. Really, the, the word there about the love is you value the world. And more extensively, it's a value of the world that takes away your value of God. The word is you study this loving the world, and then we'll get to the lust here in a second. It, the word absorption keeps coming up. It's anything, this is really important for the rest of the day, anything that absorbs your love for God, the love that was reserved, that is reserved for God, it's anything that absorbs that love for God, takes away that love for God. This is what he's talking about, love in the world. And this is really important because the day's the first Sunday of the NFL season, right? The weather's cooling off. It's not 9,000 degrees. I hope never again. At least till next February when it gets hot again. People go out fishing a little more now. I go golfing a little more now. I watch football a little more now. Don't need to throw out any others. What's something women do? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, did somebody say something that I could use? I heard somebody. Well, you can shop any day of the week. As long as the air condition's on, shopping's good. So the question is this, and I've gotta, we've got to cover this because it's really important because it's being in the world but not of the world. Does that mean that we just live in our bedrooms and don't do anything of the world? No. But we have to evaluate as a Christian full of the Holy Spirit, is this activity, is this going to, my love for this, I find myself often saying, well, I love, hmm. You fill in the blank. You can probably tell it has something to do with food based on what you see. But I love this. And when we say I love this or I love that, the evaluation, the question is, do I love this in a way that it is absorbing my love that's reserved for God? Loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. This has been God's rule, his plan from the beginning. From the Deuteronomical and the Levitical law, God has said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus came on and, and said it again. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's never been a misunderstanding from God that he expects total love for him. Right. Supreme. He's it. He's first. Or he's not at all. That's, that's a, a non-negotiable for the believer. But yeah, we can still love steak. I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself in the notes. But the love of steak can turn into a sin. Now, nobody would ever say, well, I love, I love his steak more than God. No. But the natural... Desire for sustenance can turn into sin and gluttony. I, I would, there's some others, but now I'm way ahead of myself, so I gotta stop. So the conclusion for the church is, does he, she, love this, that, love the world more than God? More importantly, we have to evaluate our own life. Is this taken away from my love life with God? Now, now I'm, I'm just covering a lot of practical bases here. And I'm trying not to make anybody mad. But, yeah, you, don't, you don't have to, anyway. So, There, there are several ways to where you can evaluate this. And I'm not one to get up here and bash people over the head for missing church. 
I used to miss church too when I wasn't sold out to God. No, that would hurt if I I didn't say that. No, 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 no. Honestly, that was a joke. Please look at me, that was a joke. I kind of like the Cowboys joke, that was a joke. I did like the Cowboys even after I was saved. But then the Panthers came along and I thought, yeah, I probably ought to pull for them. Plus I know Cowboys fans and I don't like them. So I quit pulling for the Cowboys. So that was a joke. It's supposed to be funny. I know there are things. We live, unfortunately, in the busiest time in the history of the world. So there are times where you may miss church. I am not saying that you should miss church for any com- anything just because you want to. I'm not saying that. Please understand me. But I understand there are times for a believer that they will miss church. And I don't think we put all the eggs in that basket and say, well, they just don't love God because they miss church. I'm preaching to me right now. Because in the role I'm in, I want people here all the time. Even when I'm not, right? I want them all here, all the time. But it's taken some, some growth, some maturity to understand just because a person misses Sunday doesn't mean they don't love God anymore and they quit on him. Don't get too excited about that. But if they're missing four in a row and they're not out of the country telling people about Jesus, I'm going to start questioning. So I just throw both ends of the spectrum out so nobody gets too comfortable with that. But what a man, what a woman, what a mom and dad, what a family has to do is they have to come to the, the determination. And what I, is what we're doing taken away from our love for the Father. Because if you are, you are loving the world. If we let the love of the world interfere with our love of God, it is a sin, and we are commanded as Christians, do not love the world. There's a difference, and we've just got to be mature enough about it as grown Christian adults mature adults to not start casting out, you know, everybody's lost because they, right, they went fishing. Well, they, I don't need to keep going there. Everybody will be happy now. We'll have like 26 people at church next Sunday. Well, he said we can miss church as long as we love God. It's going to be cool. It's going to be overcast. Fish are going to be biting. You know, we'll get six or seven people on the boat and we'll pray before and that shows that we love God. We're good. We live in a godless world. In a world system that is not ran by wickedness as in a Democrat or Republican, but we live in a world where the system of the world is operated by Satan himself. He's the leader. The sooner we understand that as Christians, the sooner we'll quit being so mad at one individual. By the way, there's, there's some that we kind of want to throw something at, but doesn't mean uh, we, we sometimes let a person seem as if they have more power than they really do when there's a higher power. Many of these pawns are running in the devil's system. And I unfortunately believe a lot of them don't even know it. I think they're just going at it. Oh, that's point number one. Point number two, Christians should stay away from the world because we understand what the world is, but we understand the defilement of the world. He says, don't love the world nor the things in the world. And then in verse 16, he tells us the things that are in the world. That's good. We appreciate that, John. For all that's in the world are the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. These are not of the Father, but of the world. Now, I understand if there's 15 minutes preaching on each one of those points, we're all mad at me, and so I'm not doing that. But we understand that the things that are in the world are not good. They have been corrupted by sin. All that is in the world. The world system. Does that mean that everybody's doing bad all the time? No, there are good things and good people in the world doing even godly things. But the system of the world is all bad. 
And the things of the world that he mentions here, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, are really the, the three ingredients for materialism. Now that seems like I'm singling out one sin, but think about materialism and how it has permeated civilization. Stuff, more stuff. You, you, know, you know one of the, now I don't know right now, I didn't check this morning, one of the top most profitable business ventures in America in the last five years. Storage units. Google it. Not right now, but later. I listened to a whole podcast one time on storage units. I was ready to put them in my backyard. That's a lot of money. Some of you are thinking now, how much land do I have? I think, I think we're like exhausting it in the southern Rowan County area. Every time you turn around, there's a storage unit somewhere. But we've got stuff on top of stuff. We don't want to get rid of it. I go to Goodwill once a week. I, I need a dump truck to take stuff I feel like once a week to Goodwill. And then there's more stuff. Then I'll stop at the store and I'll replenish with the stuff I just, it's just stuff. It's a deal. Materialism, lust of, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's not something I made up. It's not something the church made up. It's what God gave us in his word. And, and I want us to understand this. And if you'll listen quickly, this will, this will be painless, I hope. I read this before and I think this makes so much sense because we want to categorize what lust of, the, lust of the flesh looks like. Well, give me all the sins for lust of the flesh. Okay, now give me all the sins of lust of the eyes. Now give me all the sins that are pride of life. And we would have to stay here a while if we just started doing all that, right? But I heard this years ago and this is, it's, maybe it's too simple for some of you. But the lust of the flesh deals with doing. The lust of the eyes deals with having, and the pride of life deals with being. Doing, having, and being. And John says all that are in the world are these three things. All, all the, the pieces, the ingredients of the world system, which is bad if you hadn't heard that yet, is wrapped, they're wrapped up in these three ingredients. And the devil... The leader of this system, Satan himself, which maybe I didn't make this clear, I believe is real and the scriptures are true that he does exist and he's got some people following him and they're at work. These are the three elements, if you will, that are turned into strategies, if you will, that Satan uses to take us away from loving God. And for the lost person, even if they profess to be Christian, the devil will use these to pull a person away to the point that one day they'll be no more in the church and we'll be able to say, well, they came out from us, but they were not of us. Lust of the flesh, having, lust of the eyes, doing, pride of life, being who I am. This is not new. This is, these have been the strategies from, of Satan from the very beginning. We see it even in Genesis chapter three where, um, and I don't make anybody mad here, but Eve messed up. First. But the submissive husband who only did what she said <laughs> failed after When we see flesh, we're not talking about skin and bones. We're talking about our old sin nature, which if you've been here on Wednesday nights, we understand we still mess with him. He's still around. We still wrestle. We still fight. In the garden, Eve, Satan comes. God had said, do not eat this tree. Don't eat the fruit of this tree, and the day you eat this fruit, you shall surely die. And Satan comes up and questions the word of God. Is that really what he said? And then he showed her the pomegranate. 
And the Bible says in verse 6 of chapter 3 of Genesis, she saw that it was good for food. Doing. I need this. Was she hungry? Probably. Were there other options of food? Absolutely. A lot of trees in that garden producing fruit. But the one that he allured her to through the lust of the eyes. What about this one? Doesn't it look better than the other? I, you've had all those other steaks. How about this one? You've, been, you've had that sirloin. How about the filet? Right. Now some of got some of your attention. 12 minutes till, they'll, they'll, they'll still be ready. Right. And she saw that it was good for food. Yeah. Sounds silly, doesn't it? Yep. Do you know I read this and I didn't know it before, but I kind of knew it, but I didn't hear. Your eyes have an appetite. You ever, man I, man, I am so full, I don't think I could eat another bite. And then Diane Wilkins comes walking out with a chocolate pie. Like, <laughs> You know what? I think I got room. Man, I am sick. What? You didn't tell me there was pie. Satan uses our eyes appetite. Lust of the eyes. And it works. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Bible says that Eve said it was pleasant to the eyes. Achan, when he stole the spoils of war, when God had strictly commanded, don't steal anything, but he saw it. He didn't really need it. It just had been promised victory. Ah. God won't know if I take a few of these. Everything I find. And Israel suffered because of one man's lust of his eyes. David. Lust of eyes. Having. Got to have it. One person I read behind said the lust of the eyes is the love of beauty divorced from goodness. The pride of life. Not about doing or having, but about being. In Genesis chapter 3, same. Temptation from Satan to Eve. She saw that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. The devil said... God knows in the day you eat this, you'll be like him. You'll be like God. You'll know things. That's about being. I want to be special. I want to know things. It's this idea of boasting of an individual that's centered on things either real or contrived. Oh, that was, this is an old definition that's as good today as it's ever been. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. As long as somebody thinks I'm. One of the lessons most of us teach our kids who don't know anything about money other than we've got all that they ever need. Well, they've got that. They're probably in debt. I shouldn't say debt in church on a Sunday morning with a crowd like this. It takes a left turn. We try to teach them, just because they have that car doesn't mean they're wealthy. They might be miserable. They probably thought about it last night, how they're going to pay it, and what they're going to sell in the yard sale that they got to have. And we try to teach that. Just because someone has uh, 5,000 friends on Facebook, we probably figured this out by now. We found out they don't have five friends. They live in fantasy world. Doesn't matter if it's real or contrived. It's I want to be, I have to be. Why is social media so popular? Because we are so materialistic and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is prevalent in this world's messed up system. And some bazillionaire capitalized on it. Do the research. 
They figured us out. You know what? People are so self-consumed and self-absorbed, we got to figure out a way to make money on this. And I think it's safe to say they did. It's the person who continuously brags about possessions, who they are, what they are, their reputation. When I think about being, having, and doing, I, I wrote this out for me, um, the lust of the flesh doing. Can I categorize, can I, can I bullet point all of what that means? That means doing things or desiring to do things that take away from doing things with God. Having, having things or desiring to have things that take away from having God. Being, being someone or desiring to be someone that takes away from who we are in Christ. Those are the ingredients of the world system that the devil uses, that Satan uses, the evil one uses, the prince of this world uses to entice us away from God. Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter four. Nothing new under the sun. The devil tempted Jesus three times. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. How did he respond? It is written. It is written. It is written. In pride of life, it's a cool one because the devil quotes scripture. The devil quoted scripture and says, hey, it's written that you are this and this and this and this. He says, but it's also written this. I've got to cover this or I won't sleep well. Seriously. When we think of pride of life, Scripture actually speaks to the pride and arrogance in a professing believer, even in the realm of science. I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a struggle today in the Christian world with people trying to outsmart God or think that they're smarter than God. And it's pulling. We think of lust of flesh, lust of eyes. Oh, those are easy ones. Sin, 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 sin. Pride of life. Arrogance. Puffed up knowledge. Now, I, I may, you may disagree with what I'm about to say. But I believe a professing Christian. Rewind, I believe an authentic Christian must believe the entirety of this word. I don't think you can pick and choose. I really don't think that. And, and maybe we'll all be surprised when God, we get there and God says, well, you know, you didn't believe in this, but that's all right. Come on. Maybe we'll all be surprised. That's called sarcasm, just in case anybody doesn't know me. But I think you got to believe it all. It's all inspired. It's all from him. And we got to believe it all. I really believe that. And that's going to shock some people. It's like, well, that stuff's hard to believe. By faith. Believe without seeing. Believe without proof. How do I get that kind of faith? Because I'm, I'm goofy, gullible, silly guy. No, because God gave me the faith to believe it enough to stand and preach it. Stand and live it. Right, can you understand it? Nope. Can you explain it? Nope. Do you believe it? Absolutely. It's that simple. But we have, we have a sect, if you will, of uh, scientists, smart people who want to disagree with Scripture but still call themselves a Christian. And it's happening all over. Well, I believe it, and, and even in like evolution. There are so-called Christians that believe in evolution. I, I, don't think, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's possible. I really don't think it's possible. If you don't think God could create something out of nothing, ex nihilo, by speaking it into existence, then what makes you think you can believe that he can change a person's heart and save a wicked sinner? I don't think it's possible. But because we live in such a self-consumed, and 
I mean, we're, just, we're supposed to be so brilliant, but test scores are terrible. You figure that one out. All the old people are smart and the young people are dumb. That's, that's the answer, right? No. We're consumed with knowledge. And there are so-called Christians who say they believe, oh, we can believe in the Big Bang. Here, here's the answer. Here's the answer to creation. Students, teenagers, believers, here's the answer to, to the to the brilliance of the people that say they're still Christian, but we can believe in evolution or we can believe in the Big Bang because we've got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Here, here, here's the answer to it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Y'all, y'all thought I was gonna come up with something great, didn't you? That's it. That is it. I don't need anything else. I don't need to be convinced of anything else. Say, so, well, can you explain it? Yeah, I just did. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and that's enough. Do you need proof? Yeah, here it is. I got it. That's the answer. But no, because that's too simple for some of us brilliant people. We've got to come up with something better. No, the reality is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth is knowledge that's too high for us to attain. Yeah. Yeah. Psalm 139. That's where the real knowledge is. That there's a holy God that's always existed? Figure that one out. No, you can't. You can't prove that. You know why? Because your science is not as high as his science. Because your knowledge is not as high as his knowledge. Twist the tables on them. God, God had it figured out from the beginning. One day we might catch up to it when we have perfect knowledge like him. There's one last reason, and I've got to shut up, where John says that we're not to love the world. Why we shouldn't love the world, and it's pretty common sense, it's the destruction of the world. Everything here will be no more. Some good Christian, even if you've got Methodist spiritualism deep down in you, something needs to bubble up to say, you know what, this system of the world is messed up, but it will not always be like this. He says in the last verse there, and the world passes away. It's the same thing he said, similar thing in 1 John 2, 8, that the darkness is past. Is past. It's, it is passing away. It is continuing to pass away. It will pass away. The world is passing away. And the lust, these things that I just mentioned, the things of it, they're passing away. And every good Christian ought to say, thank God for that. Amen. You imagine waking up and never being tempted with lust of eyes, lust of flesh, pride of life. Now, some of you have already attained, and I can tell that. You're like, well, I don't have that problem anyway. The rest of us honest Christians, we'll, we're longing for the day where Satan's not operating in his system saying, well, how can I mess him up today? And if you're born again, he's using those against you. He's trying to drag you away from Jesus. And the ones who are not, the ones who came out from us, but not where of us will succumb to those strategies. But those of us born again who have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we will make it through. And this world, he says in verse 17, will pass away and all of those strategies will pass away. But those of us who do the will of God abide with him forever. The world is temporal. Christian, have you figured this one out? We'll, we'll go a long way when we figure this one out. The world is temporal. The world system is temporal. The world stuff is temporal. Teenagers, back to you again. This stuff is temporal. You know what temporal means, right? It's not gonna last forever. What happened to my daughter? Where did she go? It's not gonna last forever. It passes away. 
Gold passes away. Dollars pass away. Money passes away. Stuff passes away. Houses pass away. But those of us who do the will of God abide forever. The world is temporal, but God's will is eternal. What's God's will for your life, Christian? I'll make it real quick. Paul did it for me. I'll just read it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know verse 2? And be not conformed to this world. When we used to eat potted meat in youth, I would use this verse of scripture. Because every good redneck in here that's had a good can of potted meat knows when you open that lid and you hear that freshness guarantee, that congealed meat conforms to the image of that can, right? Oh, that's when it's good. I hate to put a cracker in it and mess it up, but anyway. Christians, we're not to be conformed to the image of this world. But we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God changes us. God changes our minds. Well, I just made up my mind. I was going to serve. No, God changed your mind so that now you're empowered by him with the desire never to be conformed to the image of this self-centered, satanically ran world system. Now, nobody go out of here with your AR thinking, I said, let's take over and do January 6th again. I ain't said nothing about the presidential leadership. I ain't said nothing about the Congress legislature. I haven't said anything about that. We're talking about spiritual wickedness in high places. We're talking about Satan leading this world system. But it's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. I got to stop with this. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth were passed away. No more sea. I saw a holy city, Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You might like this last verse. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. I would throw in forever. This world's passing away. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful this world's not my home. My citizenship is in heaven, not here. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. So clear, so concise to every person who's heard it. There were no gray area. It's black and white. Those of us who profess to be born again are not to love the world. Neither the things of the world. God, if I'm honest, and I try to be, if we're honest with ourselves, there are people in this room who are struggling being tempted to love the things of this world. Not just like sports, not just like, not enjoy hobbies. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being tempted by the lust of the eyes, lust of flesh, pride of life, to have our love for you absorbed by something else. And God, it sets the reality in someone's life. Today, I pray that they don't leave this building without knowing that they're born again, knowing that they have the power of your Holy Spirit dwelling within them to overcome the temptations of this world. And maybe there's somebody here today, they've professed for a long time, that they're born again, 
but their lives never changed. Their desires never changed. Their love life never changed. And today you reveal to them through your word and through your Holy Spirit that they never were born, born again. They've, they've never been saved. Maybe they made some emotional decision or announcement, but never truly accepted your gift of salvation. I pray we would be honest with ourselves today and that no one leaves here without full assurance in their heart that they're born again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.